0: Welcome, this talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Thank you for coming. Uh, It's one of those days I just want to keep sitting. Um... Yeah, so welcome again. We're going to be chatting today about um, stages of the path and kind of how we can meet the different stages of the path um, and kind of move through the different stages, kind of what, what, this, what does this mean as far as our practice is concerned. Um, I'm going to try to take advantage of the, the chat box um, again. And like I mentioned, Don's not here, so I'll just be kind of doing this myself. So please forgive me as I kind of go back and forth uh, from my notes, um, as I'm doing right now. Gonna kind of put something in here to start off with. Mm, I think it's a good way for us to kind of keep uh, have an added little benefit here. Did, did that show up? I just chatted everything, it's chatted something to everyone, did, but I don't see it. Um, technical difficulty number one. <laughs> um, yeah, I for some reason I'm not seeing the send button, so it's like allowing me to populate the, oh, there it went. Cool, that's because you just hit enter, silly. All right, cool. So um, the teachings plus our mind equals our experience. So we'll kind of start there. And just with, the, just with this knowledge that, um, speaking of the stages of, uh, of the path, we have to realize that there's one thing that's changing all the time, and that's going to be our minds. Um, so when we first meet the path, uh, we're obviously meeting it with, with uh, a certain mindset. And a lot of times this mindset might be skepticism. Um, it might not be. It might be just like this, this kind of rush of, of uh, truth and understanding, uh, resonance. Uh, skepticism actually would be, would, be, would be great, you know, so very, very healthy. So it kind of moves from like skepticism uh, to, in some cases, then to belief and then to a certain uh, knowing. <clears throat> but it's good to kind of just understand that the the Dharma and the teachings are moving through the filter of the mind and and that is creating the experience so if we've been on the path for any length of time, we could readily see this you know so um it's that it's that kind of classic um, experience of like. I thought I knew it. <laughs> and then now, wow, it's really changed. And now I feel like I really know it. Um, but of course, this just becomes a different level of of understanding. And, and as we go through the path, it continues to change. And so what I want to kind of speak to today is that we need to change along with that. So if we kind of hold um, a, a more conceptual understanding of the of the teachings or don't allow us to move with our own um, as our mind shifts if we don't shift along with it and then then we're not getting the, the full fruition of the practice right so we're not allowing our experiences to really unfold um, as they could so um so yeah I want to bring up another another set of teachings here just for us to look at one second. Okay, it it just did it again. Now I really I now I don't know why. (laughs) Um give just one second. So I hit enter and it's still not working. Okay. There it is. I'm totally confused. It's have it working sometimes and not the other times. Okay. So the path elements. So these just elements of the path that we could that we could look at um, that that tend to sh- to shift and change. Um, one element is that things are going from the outside. To the inside And what I mean by that is In the beginning Everything is, is On the outside In other words We're listening to teachings We're, we're reading books And um, uh, Yeah, listening to teachers And Dharma talks and whatnot And In, in a way that The path is, is Living outside of ourselves We might have some Comparing mind So it's comparing like Oh, I really enjoy this I, I don't like that where well, we're kind of trusting these, these outside sources, and that really becomes what we're focused on. And so over time, um, it's actually the learning process goes from the outside to inside. And this is a very, very crucial point in, in our path. And we have to realize that there's a lot of different steps um, just to get here. We have to move from maybe that skepticism to maybe faith or belief in the path and then we have to try it on ourselves and we have to start practicing and then, then we start to taste it for ourselves. But this is very, very crucial because if we don't make this, this shift from uh, learning from the outside to, to learning from the inside, uh, actually none of it's going to become true at all. Uh, the, the the teachings and the path are going to continue to live outside of ourselves, and that is a more fabricated state, right? This is actually not a core truth, right? Until we actually start to experience it for ourselves, and so this this begins one of the most important factors of the spiritual path, which is which is trust, and this is trusting in our own Buddha nature, whatever you want to call it, in our own. Our own essence, if you will, this is a huge, huge step. So when we talk about taking refuge, for example, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, um, this is when we're taking refuge uh, on the outer and then and then the inner. And so we take refuge in, let's say, the outer teachings, out of the Dharma, and then we take refuge in uh, the Buddha as a, an historical figure, if you will. And then we take refuge in the Dharma as a lived experience, as actual truth. And we could take refuge in our own Buddha nature, so our own essence. So this is a really big shift, um, allowing ourselves to have that that faith and, and the trust that we're actually learning and growing through our inner experiences, that they're valid. So there's a lot of like, uh, kind of almost like, um... I really can't trust this yet, you know, am I, should I take this as something that I'm learning, or do I need to cross-reference it, which is a not a bad thing, um, on the things that I'm learning and whatnot. But the truth, the, the true growth, the true growth comes from, from the, these actual inner experiences, so when we start to digest and, and try these on for ourselves. So the, the, the second piece, this uh, going from concept to experience, um, this is, you know, very similar. Um, so that the concepts are just more, you know, outside of ourselves. But then when we start to actually practice them, they become part of our own lived experience. And this is where, yeah, we can find a lot of fruition in the practice. Uh, the next one, uh, going from obstacles to the clearing of obstacles. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting shift because in a way we, we crave obstacles. <laughs> like we love obstacles. Um, in, in fact, we create like the grand obstacle is, is, is this concept that we're unenlightened beings and we need to become enlightened, you know, so this is a very, very, like, kind of a core obstacle that we need to overcome. And uh, there's, there's also the, just, the, you know, we take, a, we look at a lot of these, these classes and, and whatnot of, like, taking obstacles as the path. Um, and there's an, there's an idea that there's a lot in the way. And in actuality, sometimes when there are no obstacles in the way, that is so new that we can actually create obstacles. Um, That becomes an obstacle. Sitting with stillness, sitting with silence, um, sitting with nothingness, if that actually arises, that becomes an obstacle in a way. Right? So the mind will want to create something out of that uh, and create a dissonance uh, to that. So when we start to taste these these new, um, these new ways to be in, in meditation, there's, there's, we have to become familiar with that state a little bit at a time. And when we become familiar with this state a little bit at a time, the mind is not so quick um, to make an obstacle out of it, um, to to add something onto it. Um, it starts to become okay with just being, and so you know to to recognize that um, I am moving into a state of peace and, and going back into this trust that I could trust that this is okay. I know it seems funny, but. Um, it's almost like if there's no drama, the mind's going, you know, what's going on. And again, too, we might be looking for more of a bliss state or more of a, you know, some kind of grand experience in meditation. And the, the truest of all experiences is, is this non-experience. It's this place where, and again, we can kind of tell that this is true because it's not a state of um, fluctuation it's not a state of impermanence it's not this really high high and then kind of a coming down you know it's more of a state of of presence and we can leave it but it's not like it's shifting it's like there's we gain entry into it and then we feel ourselves maybe backing out of it through distraction but it's not a state where we feel it drifting away you know we could definitely enter into those states as more of a, a signposts along the way but ultimately speaking it's this clarity of like non obstacles like there's nothing in a way in the way anymore and becoming familiar with that place so last one on this list the path becomes a series of rituals and those rituals can take on different meanings at different times Yeah, maybe a couple, maybe a couple stories here. Um, This is a huge one. So I remember sitting with, um, I have a couple friends, Jaya and Krishna. So many of you know Jaya and Krishna. They come maybe once a year and uh, Krishna usually teaches. I wish Jaya would teach too. Um, They're like traveling uh, spiritual nomads and... They're incredible beings. Like their whole life, they've given their whole life over to, to the Dharma. And I first met Jaya, uh, maybe 2004-ish, when I moved to um, Sunburst Sanctuary. And her and I lived together for a couple years at a spiritual community. And yeah, we'd sit a tonne. You know, we'd sit every day, the the community, we would sit every day together at 6.15 in the morning, and then, uh, you know, sit throughout the day, and then her and I would just sit together a lot, and the the sitting that we did, I was really impassioned, you know, we had a, a lot of zeal for the practice, and... You know, we were both living at a community and just dedicating ourselves wholeheartedly to to the practice and and I remember going on. Uh, we'd do a lot of hikes and whatnot and a lot of spontaneous sitting, whether just having a conversation or yeah, out on a walk, we would just sit down and and, and meditate. <clears throat> and then I was sitting with her and Krishna, um, maybe a year ago or so, they came over and we're hanging out and we wanted to go sit and when we went to go sit Jaya looked at me and she said we don't have to sit but we sit anyway <laughs> um, it was so beautiful because i saw the, the fruition of her practice and the fruition of her practice very very dedicated practitioner for you know decades and she wasn't seeing the difference between the pre-meditation, meditation, and post-meditation. Now that had long ago, I think for her, um, this, that, that division fell away. So she's one that, that really lives in, in just kind of this constant state of presence. So she was pointing to the ritual, like she, it was almost funny you know, we've sat together for, for so long and um, in, in different ways. And, and she was pointing to that ritual that we're going to sit, but it means something totally different now. Like, we don't have to sit, but we're going to sit anyway. And so the ritual continued, this ritual of sitting. And, you know, this, it looks this way. But her experience of it was completely changed. Where before it might have been really impassioned, like we're we're we're, we're sitting so we realize something and so we get somewhere. And then now it was just sitting just because, right? We still did it. It was still good, but totally different. This is kind of off topic, but it's 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 interesting. You know, I last time I saw Chaya, she She's been like this for a long time, where she doesn't do, she doesn't have any small talk. There's no small talk with Jaya. There's just truth, and that's it. And I brought this up to her. I said, you know, I love hanging around you because there's no small talk. You know, we don't need to talk about the weather or what do you guys have been up to or what do you have for lunch. You know, it's just, it's just truth. But I noticed she's on all the time like that. It is like anyone she meets and whatnot. And so I was just, you know, bringing this up to her, and. uh she said, Yeah, you know, it's funny. She's like, uh, she's she's like, two things happen. Either people actually they're, they're they're just they get into it, they're like, all right, let's talk about truth. <laughs> um, or she said they just walk away. <laughs> like they get bored, you know. They try to talk about like sports or current events or something like this. Um, you know, it's just truth. That's it. And it's very beautiful. And that she has, and her and, and Krishna both have kind of set up this life where they don't need to have a lot of small talk, you know. And, you know, about the, these rituals, you know, I was talking with um, uh, Vinabal Tinsanchogi, as my, my closest teacher, a Tibetan Buddhist nun, and we we're, were just talking, I believe, last week. And uh, this topic came up, this, you know, stages of the path and And whatnot. I was asking her a few few questions, um, some personal questions, how I'm dealing with the the difference in my in my practice. And you know, she was saying how people ask her often if she's going to go back into retreat. Um, I mean, she she does a lot of retreats, smaller retreats, but she's also known for doing two three year retreats. Um, And so they ask her, you know, are you going to go back? And, and do more retreat. And she notices this concept of retreat, and retreat, as we know, is awesome. It's really good to go into long, silent retreat and, and dedicate yourself in that way to the practice. But then she says she looks in, and she's just being you know, authentic with herself, and she sees that she's right where she needs to be. You know, She's like, right here, as I am, and as my practice is. You know, I'm right where I need to be. And so that, that relationship with the idea of retreat, it's still fantastic, you know, but is it something that that she needs to do right now? Like what's the best use of her time in her practice? You know, it could shift and change, right? So the path becomes a series of rituals, and those rituals can take on different meanings at different times, and to allow ourselves to do it. So in other words, just to kind of encapsulate this is that if if Jaya, for example, kind of had the same mindset that sitting was the same, you know, still with this subject object view, you know with still striving for something. Um, um, you know her view or our view it could be kind of kind of held captive by our concepts, but through experience, we could realize that, that's sitting, standing, walking, talking, eating, all the same. And we could allow ourselves uh, to to grow into that as that that could be our pure experience. All right, I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna try this chat box thing again. We'll see how many how many times I have to hit enter <laughs> before it lets me do it. All right, so I'm just saying, obviously, the kind of this the same thing, but in different ways. Um, you know, looking at the the mind and and the dharma and how it relates. I'm um, looking to looking at um, the actual stages of the teachings, and then this last piece is looking at the um, some characteristics of a spiritual aspirant. You know, these these four things um, are just elements of of uh, your character traits, if you will, of a spiritual uh, aspirant. And we have to allow these things to shift. So I kinda wanna point to these, um, how these shift as we go through the stages um, on the path. Um, Skill. And again, so now I'm really summarizing, but how it actually affects us, skill. At first, the skill is, is almost um, the this, this skill is just in our heads, you know so we're reading instructions of how to do this and how to do that, how to do that. This kind of goes more to the knowledge piece too. This is actually a fairly dangerous thing is that when we keep absorbing knowledge in intellectual knowledge, which we go over this a ton you know in our, in our talks and, and whatnot, but if we if, if the longer that it stays outside, I'm using the word like dangerous just because we can get a false sense of um, we can get a false sense of uh, realization or something. You know, if you listen to enough dharma talks, you actually think you you know it. You know, if you just keep listening, and the intellect gets filled up with a whole bunch of um, you know facts and suttas and you know, and all this stuff, like we feel like, oh, I'm I'm actually realizing what I'm just listening to. And, and we could do this with our skill sets, too. Like, oh, I know how to do metta practice. I know the phrases. May I be happy? May I be well? May I feel safe? Blah, blah, blah. That's actually not it. So the, the skills have to become actually embodied. So that this, is, this is the stage of the path, not only embodied, but the fruition. So in other words, take metta, take loving kindness. Um, the skill is in the learning phase. Like, I I know I've learned how to do the meditation. And then the skill is the concentration, the shamatha, the concentration enough to do the actual practice and to actually develop the habit of meditation. And then the skill in in its fruition state is actually, are you kind? Are you a kind being? Like, this would be the fruition of of the practice. These would be the different stages of that. And we really want to look to develop not just the know-how, um, not just the, you know, the experience, but we really want to see the fruition of the practice. Right? This is what we, as we move, we want to say, okay, what's the fruition here? Like less suffering, right? And or overall, and in this case, let's say if we're doing metta, loving-kindness practice, am I more kind? Not do I know how to do the practice? Am I more kind? So the next one's effort. Um, and this and this one is actually um, could be the most obscure. Um, and for for me personally, it's very useful to have a teacher um, when we're speaking of effort because the practice can can turn into effortlessness. and And this is a big concept to drop because in, in in the beginning, there's so much effort, determination, perseverance, and and all of this, and that's all beautiful and it's really amazing. But then our actual then, as the practice becomes embodied and integrated, it it's much more of a happening, and it takes a lot less effort. And there could be a feeling of like, um, oh, I'm being lazy, you know? Like I used to struggle at this. <laughs> this used to be so difficult. Like, and. And actually, then it's just, it just is. You know, it's, it's a lot less effort. But there can be, you know, some kind of pull, kind of going back to creating obstacles. You know, it's almost like, um, oh, this should be more challenging. So I'm going to create more obstacles for myself. This is, it's almost too easy. Right. So adjusting how effort looks. It is an important aspect to the stages of the path how is how is effort changing, and are you allowing that to change? I kind of covered knowledge, knowledge going from outside to inside. And the last one uh, would be honesty. This is kind of the rudder in the water here. Honesty. I would say, like, honesty and trust, like, trusting yourself and being honest with yourself. It's this kind of like mindfulness where we can never have too much mindfulness. And mindfulness, you know, steers us um, into recognizing um, our faults and then also um, our innate goodness. Honesty and trust is the the rudder in the water as a spiritual aspirant. Like, we're being very, very honest. Um, with what we find, and we're trusting in that. Um, and again, this this um, uh, this has to shift from from the, the outer to the inner. So we're really honest with what we're experiencing, and we have this idea of this comparing mind. A lot of times, really gets involved when we're listening to teachings, and it wants to figure everything out. Um, but then honest, but. When we're actually experiencing things in meditation, we just the the the, the truest honesty is to leave them as they are. Don't make shit up after that. The experience is just the experience. If we're honest, honesty in this sense just means to leave things as they are. Like the truth is already the truth. We don't need to make anything else up. That's it. Where in the beginning, there's a lot of Chewing on the teachings And then as the experience ripens They just are You don't need to do anything else with them The ego really wants to make You know, enlightened Casey up You know, oh, it's enlightened Casey now And all that crap No, it just is That's just just, just like that